going to love people to Jesus in ways we never have before, if we're going to do things we've never done before, it is vital that we are on the same page. In other words, we're going to turn the page to a new chapter as a church, an exciting chapter for us. But if we're going to turn the page, we've got to be on the same page first. And so we're, we're going through our vision this month, making sure that we understand where we're at and where we can be. Our vision ultimately is to love people to Jesus. And that's not just something that we came up with because it sounded nice. Jesus says it so clearly in John 13, 35. He says, the way that you love each other, that will be the proof that you belong to me. He said, you, you will prove to the world that you are my disciples by your love for one another. So when the world looks at us, the world should see that we live differently. The world should see that we value different things, sure. But ultimately, the differentiator between us and the rest of the world is that we are supposed to love unusually. That means we have unusual patience for people. That means we have unusual hope and optimism. That means we have unusual compassion. That means things like like prejudice and racism have absolutely no place whatsoever in the church because our love for one another is what is supposed to be the defining characteristic for who we are as Jesus followers. And so we love people to Jesus, and if you're here today, we love you. And, and, And we don't even love you nearly as much as God loves you, so we want you to experience that love. But love's kind of a hazy term in our culture. Like, how do you go out and actually do that? And so we've got some words that we use to put that love into action. And it's three words that begin with the letter G because alliteration is absolutely amazing. It's a fantastic tool. And so we've got get, grow, and give. If you've been here for long, you've heard those words. In other words, we want you to get the love of Jesus We want you to grow in that love, to mature, and we want you to give that love away. And maybe, just maybe, there will be a fourth word that begins with the letter G that will be added on, I don't know, like January 28th. Maybe, I don't know, I cannot confirm nor deny, but it might happen on January 28th. That's January 28th. Um, You'll just have to be here. Last week, we talked about get, about how we can be filled up with God. In fact, in his word, it says that we can be filled with the fullness of God. And if we're going to give more of God's love than we've ever given before as a church, we need to receive that. So we talked about that last week. You can listen to the podcast if you weren't here. Today we're going to focus on the word grow. Does anybody want to grow this year? Does anybody want to shrink this year? Like in some ways, okay, yeah, there's always some shrinking that's good, right? A lot of our, our New Year's resolutions are like, I'd like to be smaller than I am. But, but does anybody want to grow? Let me ask this question, and if you wouldn't mind raising your hand, that'd be great. You don't have to. We're not a church that makes you raise your hands, okay? I just want to say that, disclaimer. But, but I'd love to see just the, the, the way it breaks out here right now. How many of us physically are fully grown human beings? We are fully grown. There's, that's a small percentage of, okay, forget the raising hands thing. I'm looking at the room. I can see your faces. Most of you are fully grown, right? Not all of you, but most. Think back to before you were fully grown. So those of you who are in high school, those those younger students that we have, you can just be where you're at. But the rest of us, think back to before you were fully grown, before it was guaranteed that you're not going to add an inch or anything like that. Did you have a target height? Did anyone have a height that you wanted to be? Like, I, I did. I did not reach it. It didn't happen for me. But I specifically wanted to be six foot three. It's very specific. When I, was, when I was 16 years old, so I knew I still had a window for growth. And look, my dad's 5'7", my mom's 5'5". Five five, so I knew that genetics were not on my side, but I knew God could do anything. Right? And I prayed at 16, God, 6'3". I felt like that wasn't too much to ask. 
I felt like 6'7 would be like, okay, who needs to be 6'7, right? But 6'3, but like that's, that's a good middle ground, and it's tall, but it's not crazy tall. And I pray, I literally prayed, God make me 6'3. Didn't happen. I peaked at 5'9. I'm not bitter about it. I'm not upset about it. I joked about this in the, the earlier gathering. A lot of times the first time someone will, will meet me is when I'm standing right here. It's just kind of the nature of things. And then we'll talk and we'll, we'll be out in the lobby or I'll bump into someone, you know, at the store or at a restaurant somewhere, maybe like at Maple Street Biscuit Company where you can find me most days, um, like yesterday. And, uh, and it's, it's uncommonly, like, weird how often, how often the first thing people say to me is, you are so much shorter than I thought. You know? It's all the time. And I'm always like, oh, that is not... That does not touch a nerve at all. This is, I, I dreamed of being 5'9 growing up. That's the, that's the height I wanted to be. No, I didn't, I didn't hit that goal. But I, I'm pleased where I stopped. I really am. Like at this point in life, I'm in my mid-30s. I'm so happy. In fact, my wife's dad is 6'5. And, you know, 6'3 is not that far from 6'5. And I'm actually a little bit glad that I didn't get there because Christmas, holidays, birthdays, whenever we are buying presents and we have to buy him things and if it's clothing, it is so hard to find him stuff. We bought him a pair of shoes for Christmas. They were size 14s. And he put them on. He said, these are a little tight. That actually happened. We had to, to reorder size 15 shoes. Size 15 shoes. They look like a joke. Have you ever held a size? Like if you're a normal size person, anyone here six foot three or taller, raise your hand. You know, okay, you guys are way to go. Um, I'm not jealous. The... Uh, <laughs> But if, if, if you're like a regular-sized person who wears, you know, like a 10 or 10-and-a-half 10 shoe, if you're a guy, I don't know girl sizes, are they small or big? I don't know. Whatever. If you hold up a size 15 shoe, you're like, this is funny. This is a joke. This is a practical joke. But no, that's his feet. And, and to find jackets or shirts that have sleeves long enough to actually reach his wrist, it's the equivalent of like Indiana Jones finding the Holy Grail. That's the level of difficulty that we have. So I'm glad that's not, <clears throat> excuse me, I'm glad that's not my experience. I'm happy with where I peaked. When it comes to physical growth, we have a ceiling. I mean, maybe we can do some things to add an inch or two, who knows, but, but for the most part, that's set. Spiritual growth is not like that. It's not. There is not one person in this room right now or in any room in the world who is fully grown spiritually. Because when it comes to spiritual growth, there's no such thing as a peak. There's never going to be a moment in your life or in the life to come where you will say, I have experienced all of God that there is. I mean, think about it. I believe that's why heaven lasts forever. We have an eternal God. We will be with him for eternity, and I think it will take us eternity to experience all of him. One of the reasons I believe that heaven's going to be so exciting, even though we will have been there for a long time, is every day we will wake up knowing that there are things of God we haven't experienced yet. It will be a new thing every single day because there's never a moment in your life for your life to come where you will, you will say, this is it. When it comes to my relationship with God, I, I am fully grown. I have, I have done all I can do. I have learned all I can learn. I know all I can know. I understand all I can understand. I have hit my peak. We are not fully grown. And that's a good thing, by the way. Like, if this is discouraging, it's not meant to be, and I've done something terribly wrong. You should be so encouraged that you're not fully grown. Because that means when you have mistakes, when, when, when there's something in your life that's not the way it should be, and when you recognize the fact that, that things within you aren't as they should be, you're not done yet. God is not done with you yet. Never forget that. 
We have this tendency of judging other people and ourselves as finished products when they're not. And usually when we look at someone and expect them to be a finished product, when we look at ourselves and and we judge ourselves as if we are a finished product, we are a lot more harsh than we would be otherwise. But we've got to remember that we are not finished products. We are works in progress. There is more for us. We have more growing to do. We're not done growing. And that should encourage us. It should give us so much hope because that means whatever you've experienced of God, there's more. Whatever you know about God, there's more for you to know. Whatever you understand about God, there's more for you to understand. Whatever you've experienced of God, there is more for you to experience. We're not done growing. The only question is, how much growth will we be satisfied with? Like, at what point are we going to say, I'm good? I'm good. This is, this is all I, I really want. This is as far as, as I want to go. I remember when we took uh, Liam to Disney World. And uh, we probably won't take our other kids for a really long time. because It was super expensive. Um, we'll tell our other kids, we took your brother there. It was pretty cool. Um, you know, but one day, you know, there was no moment in Disney World where my son said, let's stop here. You know, I see some things over there that looks pretty cool, but I'm, I'm good here. Let's, I'll just, I'm, I'm good. I'm content. Let's just park here. I don't need to see all of that. No, he's like, I, I got to see everything. What's that? What's that? What's over there? Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. And we should be like that with God because he's amazing. Because he's incredible. Because to have intimacy in a relationship with God is unlike anything else in this world. To experience what it's like to be known by God and to know him and to have him speak to you and to have him affirm who you are and to have him work through you, there is nothing like it. It's what we're, we're built for. It's our purpose. And so if there's more of God, we should hunger for it. And if it's possible to grow, then we should, we should desire to grow. Does anybody want to grow this year? Yeah. Well, let's grow. You know, I, I said last week that I kind of wished that I could fast forward to, to next week and January 28th, potentially, because we're going to be talking about some, some really exciting things that we're going to start doing as a church. At least they're exciting for me. Maybe I'm the only one, but I, I really believe they'll be exciting. And that word exciting is an interesting word because we value excitement very much. And, and I, I value excitement. I, I like it when it seems like you guys are excited about stuff that's going on. Like, when you guys say woo, I like it. Woo. Feels good, you know? No, I mean, when you, like, if you stand on the stage and you say, hey, we're doing this, and everyone goes, yeah, woo. You're like, yes, that's great. And, and honestly, as a church, when I look at the church, in America, that's something that, that I, I do. I'm a pastor. It's like what I do. I look at the church. I, I ask questions like, God, what, what does the church need right now? What's happening in the church? I'm a pastor who, who wants to be one for a, a long time. And I'm relatively young. I'm in my mid-30s. I'm at the age where when most people that I meet, and there's that question, like, what do you do? I'm the pastor of, of His Hands Church. And they'll look at me and go, like the main one? Like the main, you know? Did things go according to plan? No, they did not. You know, that's why. But God's got a plan. So, like, one day that won't happen to me anymore. One day I'll say I'm a pastor, and they're like, yeah, you kind of look like one. 
you know. One day people will go, I don't know if I want to go there. The pastor's really old, and he just, you know, he's not cool and, and, and all that. And I can't wait for those days, actually, because I've never been cool. So I can't wait that I'm an, I'm an age where no one expects me to be. That's awesome. I can't wait for that. <clears throat> but, but I look at the church as a whole, and I, and I look at what's happening in the church, and I, I ask questions like, God, who do you want us to be as a church? Because we've got this chance to, to decide that. Like we have this chance to decide as a church, where are we going to go? Who are we going to be? What are we going to do? What does God want us to do? And when I look at the church in America, I, I see so much that I love. I'm so excited about so many things that are happening. And, and some of the changes that have been made in church culture in the last 20 years have been some of the most positive changes I've seen and, and I think that have happened in, in a long, long time. In the church, it's exciting. And at the same time, I, I see things that I'm like, mm, I don't know about that. And, and maybe that, that needs to change. Maybe we need to, to shift a little bit to help that change happen. And one of the things that I see that it's, it's pretty constant, especially in larger churches and churches that want to grow numerically, is that we're better at getting people excited than we are at getting people equipped. And we have to decide as a church, are we going to be a church that's better at getting you excited, at getting our community excited about God, or are we going to be a church that, that gets people equipped so they can actually do something with that excitement? Because excitement without equipment doesn't go well. It just, it just doesn't go well. Jesus had a parable in Matthew chapter 13. It's a little illustration he used, and he says this. He says, a farmer went out to plant some seeds. As he scattered them across his field, some seeds fell on a footpath, and the birds came and ate them. Other seeds fell on shallow soil with underlying rock. The seeds sprouted quickly because the soil was shallow. But the plants soon wilted under the hot sun, and since they didn't have deep roots, they died. Other seeds fell among the thorns that grew up and choked out the tender plants. Still other seeds fell on fertile soil, and they produced a crop that was 30, 60, and even 100 times as much as had been planted. Anyone with ears to hear should listen and understand. And then Jesus does something a few verses later that's, that's unique, actually. He doesn't do this very often. He explains exactly what he means by his parables. Some of his parables, we read them and go, okay, uh, what does that mean? You know, it's because good teachers want you to ask questions. But every once in a while, Jesus gives us the answer. And in verse 18, he says, Now listen to the explanation of the parable about the farmer planting seeds. The seed that fell on the footpath represents those who hear the message about the kingdom and don't understand it. Then the evil one comes and snatches away the seed that was planted in their hearts. The seed that was on the rocky soil represents those who hear the message and immediately receive it with joy. In other words, they're really excited. But since they don't have, a deep, they don't have deep roots, they don't last long. They fall away as soon as they have problems or are persecuted for believing God's word. The seed that fell among the thorns represents those who hear God's word, but are all too quickly, uh, cr uh, their message is crowded out by the worries of this life and the lure of wealth, so no fruit is produced. They know God, but they're so fixated on this world that they're not, they're not doing anything for God's kingdom. He said the seed that fell on good soil represents those who truly hear and understand God's word and produce a harvest of 30, 60, or even 100 times as much as had been planted. None of us read that and go, I want to be that second soil. That's me. You know, third soil, that's where I want to live. I don't want to be ambitious. I don't need to be that fourth soil. None of us read it. We don't do that. But when I look at, at the church in America, again, especially larger churches, and we're not, it's funny, we're in this weird place. Where we're like, we're not this mega huge thing. We're not small. And we've grown a lot numerically, and that's exciting. That's good. I'm thankful for every person God's brought here in the last few years. 
But if you're better as a church at getting people excited than you are at equipping them, you're basically, like you should call your church Second Soil Church. Because what you're going to do is you're going to get a lot of people fired up. You're going to get a lot of people to experience something and go, wow, God's real and he loves me. And he's got, he's got things in life for me, things he wants me to do. That's awesome. I'm so excited. Woo! You get a lot of woos, but if people aren't equipped to handle life with God, that excitement doesn't last long. We, we need to grow. We need to be equipped. There's verses that have been challenging me, convicting me personally in the last year. Ephesians chapter 4, I just I can't stop thinking about it. It just hits me so hard because it's, it's actually kind of written to people like me. It's talking about leaders in the church, and it says their responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work and build up the church, the body of Christ. This will continue until we all come to such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's Son that we will be mature in the Lord, measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. I love that, mature in the Lord. The Bible speaks so much about our maturity. Like God desires you to grow. That's the beautiful thing about God is he loves us exactly where we are. He loves you. He accepts you exactly where you're at. Issues and all. But do not lie to yourself or or be convinced that he wants you to stay there. Not for a second. He has more for you. He wants you to grow. We we read this in Hebrews chapter 6. It says, let us stop going over the basic teachings about Christ again and again. Let us go on instead and become mature in our understanding. It's good to go over the basics. And when you're first starting out, you got to go over the basics a lot. You know, I'm, I'm coaching my son's second grade basketball team. I'm learning that. Like every week, I'm like, hey guys, you remember what we said? You know, what direction we need to go on the court? Let's go over that again, okay? It's like, they're young, so we got to go over the basics week in and week out. And you know what? When we first started as a church, that's what we did. And that was good. That was the season we were in. We would go over the basics of following Jesus every single week. We would talk about God's love every single week and just hammer it in. He loves you. He loves you. He's not mad at you. He loves you. He wants to know you. That made some people mad. They would actually come to us and complain that we talked too much about God's love. Ironically, not super loving people. So maybe it was for them. I don't know. But, but the truth was, hey, yeah, I know you think you're way more mature uh, and all that, and we'll get there one day, but we're starting out. We're in our infancy as a church, and so we've got to go over the basic things. But, but listen, we're not in our infancy anymore. And we've been a church for 11 years. And we need to keep revisiting the basics. That's important because we can easily lose sight of those things. Even professionals practice the basics. But it's time for us to go forward. It is time for us to go on and press on into maturity. It's time for us to grow. God wants us to grow. He wants us to be what it says in Ephesians 4 that we just read a few minutes ago, mature in the Lord. I love the way the book of James puts it. Chapter 1 says, Dear brothers and sisters, when troubles of any kind come your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. For you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. So let it grow. For when your endurance is fully developed, you will be perfect and complete, needing nothing. Needing nothing. How amazing would it be 
to get to a place where you're like, yeah, I'm good. I have a completeness about me. I'm mature in the Lord. That only happens if we grow. And that word grow, by the way, it's kind of a dicey word in church because a lot of times when you hear a church talk about growing, we're talking about more people, right? Numerical growth. And like I said a few minutes ago, numerical growth is good. It's great when when more people come. In fact, in the Bible, there's moments where the church grew in large numbers, and it's exciting, and it records it. There was a day called Pentecost early in the church's history. It's in the book of Acts early on, and and the Holy Spirit came in in this really powerful way, and thousands of people got saved that day. 3,000 people gave their lives to Jesus that day, and and that was like a 4 billion percent increase in terms of how many people were following Jesus at that time. It went from like 100 to over 3,000 like that. That's awesome. Numerical growth is is a good thing. But it's very easy for churches to value numerical growth over spiritual growth. And if you value numerical growth over spiritual growth, it's super dangerous. Because for the sake of numerical growth, you'll do just about anything. And it's it's something that you see in the church right now. For the sake of numerical growth, like let's, ooh, some of these things that are in the Bible, some of these things that Jesus himself said, they don't, they don't um, test well with people. So let's just, let's back off of that stuff. And, and it's all for the sake of growth. Like, hey, we want to reach more people. Reaching more people is exciting. That's great. The church should grow numerically. Absolutely, and it has for thousands of years. But when you start having this attitude of like, well, hey, for the sake of the masses, let's, Let's avoid some of this hard stuff. Well, the hard stuff is what makes us grow. You know, it's it's the challenging stuff that stretches you. And so for the sake of numerical growth, let's let's avoid the controversial. For the sake of numerical growth, let's just sort of cherry pick those parts of God's word that we're going to go over. And and again, being a pastor at the stage of life that I'm in and looking at the next 20 years of my life and what I want to see happen, I had this, this conviction that hit me a year ago. And I'm like, I do not want the next 20 years of my life as a teacher to be me doing a slalom course through God's word. I'm not going to do that. I can't. I'm not going to sit there and be like, okay, I'm going to weave around this and weave around this and make sure that everyone likes everything they hear. I, I want everyone to like what they hear. Sure, I would much rather we grow. I would much rather your marriages succeed. I would much rather your, your, your place as a father or a mother be healthy. I would much rather you be equipped than excited. Because the reality is my job, according to God's word, is to equip you. So please grow. Because, because one day I'm going to stand in front of God and he is not going to say, Justin, here's how many woos you got. You know? He's going to say, Justin, did you equip my people? And see, here's the, the beautiful thing. Jesus valued spiritual growth above everything. Even numerical growth. In Matthew chapter 5, this is a really interesting verse. It says, one day as he saw the crowds gathering, Jesus went up on the mountainside and sat down. His disciples gathered around him, and he began to teach them. Here's what, what's going on. For the first time ever in his ministry, crowds are gathering. Crowds means thousands. So thousands of people are showing up. They're like, we've heard about this guy, Jesus. We want to hear what he has to say. We want to see what he can do. And Jesus goes, this would be a great time to take my followers and go over there. It'd be like if you owned a business, 
and you have a grand opening, and there's just lines and lines and lines outside, you go, you know what? Let's not open today. This is a great time for a training meeting, you know? And we would not do that. Our human nature would be like, open the doors, we'll learn as we go. But Jesus said, before, before we, we work with the crowd, I need to make sure that these guys know their stuff. I need to make sure that they're mature, that they understand. Jesus would often say things like that. He would tell people who were following him, Jesus is like a terrible salesman by our standards. If, if you're in sales and Jesus like, got hired for your company, you would fire him. Because he would say things to people right up front, count the cost, you know? It's intense. You're like, hey, we put the small print in small print at the bottom of the page. Or we read it really fast at the end of the commercial so no one can understand what we're saying. But Jesus would lead with that stuff. He's like, anyone wants to be my disciple, you must take up your cross, deny yourself, and follow me. That doesn't sound fun. I don't like denying myself. Isn't, Isn't God about me saying yes to myself? I'm supposed to treat myself, not deny myself. Jesus led with that kind of stuff because he actually cared if it penetrated. He actually cared if people grew. How amazing is it that we have a God who is not content that we just show up? He doesn't just say to us, I'm so glad you showed up. That He says to us, I have more for you. That there's more for you to experience, that you can grow. It's time for us as a church to get equipped. Because look, if we're, gonna, if we're gonna go out, if we're gonna do more in this community, if we're gonna do more to, to build God's kingdom, if we're gonna give more love away, then we need to be equipped so that we can be mature. Because there's more. And I, I, want, I want more. I want more for all of us. Like I wanna know God's word. Do you wanna know God's word? You know, I've never heard one person come to me and say, Justin, I'm so glad you study the Bible, because then I don't have to. And, you know, I just, I just come and you share a few things, and it's great, and I don't have to read it. I've never heard someone say that, but I have heard so many people come to me and say, could you help me? I, I want to know the Bible more. I don't know where to start. I don't understand what I'm reading. It's confusing to me, or, or I've tried, and I've just fallen out. Could help me. There's, there's actually a huge church in Chicago a church that was really at the forefront of some big changes, positive changes happening in church culture about 20 years ago, and had over 30,000 people in attendance. And they, they polled their, their, their group. They actually had a professional polling company. That's a thing. And they, they hired them to conduct a research poll. And one of the questions was, is the church helping you grow spiritually? And the overwhelming response was no. And they were shocked. They're like, how in the world can we have 30,000 people coming? We got a lot of woos, right? Everyone's excited. And they said they're not growing spiritually. So they, they were like, this has to be a mistake. They dug deeper. They, they asked further questions. By and large, the answer they got was, we just want to know the Bible. It's so funny because I see so many churches running from the Bible or, or sidestepping so much of it because in their minds, we want to reach a lot of people, so we don't want to that. But yet, the majority of people I talk to following Jesus are like, I actually want to know the word. Because we, we need to know the word. You know, the, the church in the early days grew exponentially, not because the disciples and the church leaders were so good at marketing. It wasn't like the day at Pentecost happened and 3,000 people got saved and Peter, who was leading the disciples at that time, said, all right, guys, time to start planning Pentecost 2. Next year, same place, same time. You know, Andrew, marketing and promotion. 
Bartholomew, I want a light show that will blow people away, you know? Andrew, if you could start playing guitar like real emotionally, like I want you to create this mood and I'm going to come out on the stage and I'm going to kill it and I'm going to close it. We're going to have 6,000 people next year. We're going bigger. That's not how the church grew. There were moments like that, but the church grew because Christians were mature. I know I'm talking about a lot of church culture stuff, but this is important for us to understand because it's about our priorities. We value authenticity here at His Hands as much as about anything. Authenticity is just behaving like you believe. That's what it is. If you behave like you believe, you're authentic. So we got to know what we believe, what we value, so we can actually behave that way. There is this idea in, in church culture, and again, you find it more commonly among larger churches, that the, the most that, that, that you can ever do is invite someone to church. That will be the, the pinnacle of your contribution. If you can invite someone to church, you've done your job, and then, you know, us professional Christians, we will uh, we'll do the hard part. We'll take it from there. You've done your job, you've brought someone here, kudos to you, we got this. That's garbage. That is not how the church grew. In 1 Peter, Peter's writing to a church that's experiencing an incredible amount of suffering. The emperor Nero persecuted Christians in ways that we can't imagine. In fact, Nero would, would actually have Christians hanging in his garden, and at night, they would light them on fire, and the Christians burning would be the light for the garden, and he would walk through it. And this is not, like, I'm not making this up. You can research it. So, I want you to understand that, because Peter's talking to this group of people about sharing their faith. And think about the risk that that entailed at that time. And here's what he says. He says, now, who will want to harm you if you were eager to do good? He's basically saying, hey, keep doing good. Keep loving people. Keep serving people. I don't care about the persecution coming your way. Don't stop. He says, but even if you do suffer for doing what is right, God is going to reward you for it. So don't worry or be afraid of their threats. Instead, you must worship Christ as Lord of your life. And if someone asks you about your hope as a believer, always be ready to explain it. But do this in a gentle and respectful way. That last sentence is really important. Peter's saying, look, be ready to explain. Be mature enough that that you can explain to your neighbor, your brother, your father, the person you live next to, your neighbor. Be ready to explain why you believe what you believe. Be mature in your faith so you can do that. The church didn't grow because the disciples were so good at at, at speaking in big events. The, The church grew because Christians were bold and loving at the same time. Because you can be a bold jerk. Don't be that. The church grew because Christians shared their faith with the people they loved and they they knew how to answer questions because they knew God's word and they got to a place of maturity in their understanding of who Jesus is and, and, and what Jesus could do that when someone would say, explain this to me, they would go, okay, here's the way this works. And every single one of us has the capacity Every single one of us has the the capacity to mature to the point where we can lead people to Jesus. And if you're a Jesus follower, I'm telling you, think about it. You're on your deathbed one day. How, How many things would rank above you saying, I helped lead someone to Jesus? Nothing. When we have baptism Sundays and and people are being baptized by a friend who who led them to Jesus, there there is a glow in that person's eyes that is tangible. And all of us have that capacity. Yes, you can invite friends to church. Do that. Awesome. 
but do not sell yourself short because God will never sell you short. If we grow up, if we mature in our faith, if we know his word and we care about people and we love people and we're willing to share with people what God's done for us, what he can do for them, we will see people's lives change, but we've got to grow. We've got to mature. And as a church, I just want you to know that we're going to be committed to your growth this year. Like I, I am committed to you being equipped. In fact, I have to make sure I'm getting equipped because you can't give what you don't have. There's a lot of things we're going to do this year, some new things. They're going to help you grow if, if you want to take advantage of it. And worship team, you guys can make your way out, but I want to talk about a, a few of those real quick as we wrap up. This stuff is super exciting, like all the woos that are going to come. Mm. For example, we're going to have classes this year. Yeah. Who doesn't love class? The answer is anyone who's ever taken a class. You know, even my son in second grade is like, how much more school do I have? A lot. You got a lot, dude. No, but it, it, we're going to have classes this year. One of those classes is called Jesus 101. It's going to be starting really soon. It's designed for anyone who, who is either a new follower of Jesus or maybe you've been following Jesus for a while, but you just feel like you don't really know how to, how to get moving in your faith. You don't, you, there's some things you don't know. There's some things you don't understand. You need some help. You need like an introductory course. It's challenging in that, that verse from Hebrews that we read, Hebrews chapter 6. He says, let us move on past these basic teachings. And then he lists out some of the basic teachings. And if you read those, you're like, uh, those don't seem super basic, you know. Jesus 101, it's an eight-week class. It's, it's actually designed as a home group that you'll be in for eight weeks. And, and it's led by Jim and Irene Stout. They're, they lead our prayer team. They're amazing people. Been here for years and years. They're awesome. I know them well. And... And this is something you can sign up for next week. We'll have sign-ups for this. Jesus 101. Woo. Um, we're going to have a lot of classes this year. Classes about your faith. Classes about you being able to understand biblical things better. We have a class starting in February called The Art of Marriage. So excited about this. You can actually sign up for this today at the Connect Desk or on our mobile app. If your marriage is new, doing okay, in a rut or on the rocks, this class will help. And we're going to do this class multiple times this year. It starts on February 18th, I think. Don't quote me on that. It's on the website. It's on, it's on the app. It's all accurate there, but I'm you know, a little hazy. Uh, but mid-February, and I'm just going to, I'm going to say this. I said it in the first gathering. I think it's important for us to, to recognize, especially to those of us who have been at his hands for a long time. You know, there was a time where marriage was, was attacked here at his hands. We had some leaders who we all love very much, and their marriages ended. And if you were here at that time, it was, it was kind of shocking and hard. And I watched some of the aftermath of that. And I watched some, some marriages struggle. I watched some people, you know, go through divorce like really fast after that because it was almost like there was this mindset, well, if, if theirs can't succeed, no chance mine has hope. And I believe something very, very strongly. I believe that the enemy attacks us. I believe we have an enemy and he attacks us and he attacks us where it hurts. And if he can find a, a way in, he'll find that way in. And he attacked us as a church when it comes to marriage. He attacked our hope there. But you know what? When the enemy attacks, the Holy Spirit attacks back, and he hits a lot harder. All right? So, like, I believe this is a year for us when it comes to marriage to take back. And I would love to see that class full of people who want their marriages to succeed. Well, I'll tell you, as Megan and I are going to co-lead that class with another couple, that couple's story, like, if you're looking at your marriage right now saying there's no hope, there's no chance, what that couple has been through, you would never guess that their marriage could survive, let alone thrive, but it has. 
It's going to be a really great class. And we'll do that a few times this year. So if you can't do it in February, it'll happen again. There will be lots of other classes this year because we want to help you grow. We also have something that we just launched this weekend called Crash Course. I love this. Crash Course is, is basically this, this group of little mini podcasts, like 15 to 20 minutes long. I listened to one from, from here at the church to my house on Sixes Road, and it was done by the time I pulled into my driveway. So really bite-sized things. And you can actually listen to them anywhere you're at, and they're designed to help you get a crash course, to help you get caught up to speed. So you can look through it, and it's like a menu. If you want to know more about grace, if you want to know more about you know, the Bible, what is salvation really? Who is the Holy Spirit? Who is God? Who is Jesus? All these kind of things. You can just thumb through it and go, yeah, I want to learn about that. And it's not crazy in depth because it's 15 minutes, but it's a crash course. And you can do that on your own time at your own pace. We have eight of them that we, we uploaded this last week. By the end of the year, there will probably be like 70-something because we're going to add to it virtually every single week. I mentioned the app a minute ago. Let me walk you through this real quick. Let me demonstrate. I feel like I'm at some tech convention right now. I promise we're almost done. Who has, who has the app downloaded on your phone? You're the ones that really love Jesus. Let's see. I'm joking. No, no. If you don't have the app downloaded, it's free. Let me show it to you if you've never seen it. So we've been working on the app like crazy because this is a tool designed to help you grow. So if you download the app, number one, there's messages, and they're broken down by all the different message series that we've had. So you can, you can scroll like, let's see, we can go way back. Ooh, I don't even remember half of these. Um, you can go way back, and you can just literally select a series you know, and, and I selected the one thing that wasn't a series. It was just a message. Way to go, Justin. Um, Elijah Shah. You guys remember that? It was a good bunch. You guys like, yeah. Uh, there they are. They're all there. So it's really easy to navigate. If you ever, like, want to listen to a message from a couple years ago, you remember it was in a series, easy to find. There's a learn section. So cool. I mentioned Crash Course right at the top. You click it, and there's the first eight episodes. And you're like, I want to know about the Trinity, prayer, the Bible, human nature, salvation, the blood, mm, blood, covenant. There you go. And you just select it and you listen to it right from the app and we'll be adding to that virtually every week. We really will. Bible study tools. You click that. There's just a a ton of tools, apps that you can download, other types of things. We'll be adding to that as the year goes on. There's some really awesome apps that will help you read the Bible, understand it. There's Bible study videos that will help you. Like if you're reading the book of Isaiah and you're like, I don't get this. There's a video on Isaiah. It'll tell you what it's about, the history, the context, what God's communicating through it. It's all there. It's super awesome. God stories. We filmed 10 God stories this last week. We're going to be sharing more God stories than we have ever shared before by a large margin. I'm so excited for you guys to get to hear some of the things God has done in people's lives. The Connect page, uh, you can give, you can submit a prayer request, you can tell us what you're feeling called to, you can sign up for things. There's the Art of Marriage sign up right there. There is a Bible on the app. What? Um, And it's cool. You can do it a couple different ways. Number one, there's a reading plan. And so it's just every single day it'll give you stuff to read. If you do it every day, you'll read it in a year, the whole Bible. Or you can just click it. You know, click to the book of Numbers. It's by far the most exciting book in the Bible. Numbers chapter 7. Let's just read. Uh, Numbers 7. On the day when Moses had finished setting up the tabernacle. Oh, my goodness. Okay, here we go. So there's a Bible. You can go to kids. I love this, by the way. Kids. We've got a couple things right now. We'll be adding to it as the year goes on. Bible app for kids. This is a really fun free app that your kids can use that they can study the Bible. The parent app. If you download that app, it'll link you to an app called ParentQ. This is super cool. So there's Liam. That's not his picture. Um, it's not what he looks like. But you can upload a picture of your child if you want. So there's, there's my son. He's got 549 weeks until he graduates. It tells me that. Makes me sad every time I look at it. Because um, of how long it is, you know? I'm like, that much more? What? I'm joking. But here's, here's what's cool. He, he was at the 930 gathering this morning. So I can scroll down here. 
I can watch the video that went with the lesson he had today. I can watch what he watched in his class. I can, I can look at the scripture that he studied today. This was their, their main scripture, the remember this. I can, I can work with him on the point. I can talk to him about it. There's things I can do. There's little activities that will give me to do with him this week to help reinforce what he's learned so I can keep up with what he's learning right now. There's this little bit of help for me, and again, in case I missed it, I've got 549 weeks left. So there's some, there's some guilt at the bottom of every page. It's great. Um, Mickey McTeer is a person that doesn't exist, but let's assume that I had a son named Mickey who's in, in junior high. Same thing. You can go through this. This is what the junior high kids are learning today, right now, as we meet. And so you can download this. You can keep up with what your kids are going through. You can grow together as a family. Like, my point is we are trying to create tools for you that will help you grow. Use them because let's grow. A few other things real quick. Home groups. It is so nice to grow alongside other people. We have awesome home groups for men, for women. We have home groups for married couples. We have a singles group that's going to get started this year. We have a new group for men that's going to be starting on Tuesday nights here at the church because sometimes guys are like, I'm not going to some dude's house, you know. I guess I'll go to the church. That's my man voice. Um, you know, it's different than my normal voice, even though I am a man, technically. So uh, you, you, can, you can take advantage of those things. Groups are awesome. Sign up for a group at the Connect Desk. We just added, by the way, the ability for you to sign up for a home group right from our website. There's a group page, and you can see what groups are available, when they meet, where they meet. You can see what they're going through. It's really easy to do it that way. But get involved. Get in a group. We have, we have a, a new couple of groups for young adults, one that's actually been going for a while, one that's a little bit different. Uh, we have young adults, 18 to 22 years old, meet on Wednesday nights here at the church in the coffee shop. They go through the Bible. They do social things together. Do you guys remember social things, those of us? Uh, yeah, they do that. It's awesome. And, and then if you're 23 to 29, so you're an old young adult, you can, uh, you can meet on Monday nights, Monday nights at 7 o'clock in the coffee shop, same thing. It's an awesome group of people, a really close-knit, awesome group of people. If that's your life stage, man, be there for that. High school students, midweek, every Wednesday night, it's awesome. It is so good, and it's for you, so take advantage of it. What I'm trying to say is this. We need to be equipped. We need to grow. We need to mature so that we can do the stuff God has for us. And as a church, we will be committed to you being equipped. We'll take that really seriously this year. You know, it's, it's funny, and we'll close, but, but I got really excited about the message this week. And, it, and it's, it's funny because the things I'm talking about, they're so, like, not, I don't know, the word. Just, I said sexy in the first gathering, and everyone was like, ugh. I was like, I'm not meaning, it's a word that's like it's bu- buzzworthy. You know, like, ooh, we're doing classes, Bible study, you know, crash course. You can learn about the, the Bible. And it's, it's stuff that isn't exciting unless you actually want to grow. And then it's really exciting. Like, I'm so exciting, uh, uh, exciting, I'm so excited so excited, I can't say words, about what we're going to teach this year, what I get to teach. Like, we're going to go through the entire book of Ephesians as a church this year. Wow. Right? Like, what? It's going to take a long time. But you're going to know it. And if you're here every week or as much as you can, you're going to know it. And, and I'll be honest, if, if you know Ephesians and you know what God communicates through it and it, it like plants in your heart and you apply it, you are going to grow. You are going to be a better you. You're going to move forward. We're going to grow this year. Does anyone want to grow? Does anybody want to go? Like, anyone ready to go? I'm going to read one more verse. 
It's Ephesians 4. We read this already. So you're like, what's the point? Because we're going to go a little bit further. This is so beautiful. And everything that we've just said, everything that we just said, this is powerful. In fact, would you mind standing with me for a second as we read this together? And we'll transition into worship. Because this is talking about us, the church. We're the body, right? We're, it's, it's an illustration used in the Bible that we're the body and, and Jesus is like the head. So we're supposed to do what, what he wants. And he's got good things for us to do. And it says about church leadership, their responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work and build up the church, the body of Christ. This will continue until we all come to such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's son that, that we will be mature in the Lord measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ, then we will no longer be immature like children. We won't be tossed and blown about by every wind of new teaching. There's a lot of stuff out there intended to blow you off course. But if you're mature, you know what it is. You see it, you're all right. It says, we will not be influenced when people try to trick us with lies so clever they sound like the truth. Instead, we will speak the truth in love growing in every way more and more like Christ, who is the head of his body, the church. He makes the whole body fit together perfectly. As each part does its own special work, it helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. Let's be healthy, let's be growing, and let's be full of love this year. Pray with me, please. Amen. Jesus, we love you so much, and we want to grow this year. We want to mature we want to take steps forward into who we are as a church and what we're able to be as a church. And God, I'm so grateful that we've been able to establish a foundation of your love here. I'm so grateful, God, that, that the basics are, are so rooted in this church, but it's time for us to move forward. It's time for us to take a step. And Lord, I pray that you fill every single one of us with faith and hope and genuine excitement at the fact that there's more for us to experience, that there's more for us to learn, there's more for us to know, there's more for us to understand. Give us a hunger to grow. Make us mature so that we can be your church, so that we can do your work. We love you, Jesus. You are the head of this body, and we worship you. Amen.